Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. to begin i mean we can talk characters plot points themes all of the above yeah let's kind of just uh start with robin um i i think that it immediately um how should i say this one of the things that i both loved and was really hard about the book was how um brutal death is brutally death is handled and that starts on page one you know where his like page one his mom is dying and you know and uh, a colonialist uh, like could have saved her um had it not been uh-huh. for his uh like self-interest and uh-huh. you're not really um it starts off with you not really having to grapple too much with that because it's not focused on but then you have to grapple with it later on in the book which i feel like really uh kind of mirrors what robin um himself goes through right and so i think that's really interesting one thing about the very beginning of the book that i didn't love was that it, it brings up his name and it says that, you know, it says he has a name, of course. And then it says like that there's really it says something about there not being a great translation for it or about it being hard for like Westerners to say or something like that. Uh-huh. So he adopts a new a new name or a different name. And like, I kind of thought that that would was a red or like a Chekhov's gun or something, something that was yeah. playing for the ending of that the could, book. Yeah, yeah, that like, could have been cool. Per- personally, I thought it was going to, he would have to like translate his Chinese name to his like um, Western name. And then like, that was going to have some like crazy effect that would give him powers or something like that. Like I just, in my, in my head, that uh-huh. I felt like it was setting that up. I was like, Oh, this is big brain. Like I'm calling this, you know, and then it didn't really go anywhere. So I don't know, this just kind of rambling, but um, that, that was kind of my thought at the beginning of the book. I'm like, this name is going to be important. And then uh, it just never comes back up. So uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry what- for that. I didn't. I didn't think of that as a. But I, I guess it would have been a really good twist if executed, because it would have blown my mind probably. Yeah. I, I, throughout the book, I'm like, his name is going to be important, and then as we learned more about the magic system, I'm like, okay, like this could be cool. Anyway. So, but yeah, I, with death, like, um, and just violence in general, it's so brutally handled at the beginning, and then um, when Robin's going and spending time over at Lavelle's or Lovell. How, how, how were you saying this name? Lovell? I said, I said Lovell. Lovell. Yeah. So yeah. spending time at his mansion and then he just like messes up once, you know, like uh, misses a class or something or is late and just gets like beat with like a poker, like a fireplace right. poker. Like again, so, so brutal um, and kind of out of nowhere, you know, very, very thematically uh, fits in with the rest of the book. Right. The plot points yeah very sinister undertones mm-hmm. and it, yeah it, it, the book kind of like slowly peels back the curtain on the themes more and more at the beginning you know robin's younger and it kind of mirrors robin's maybe like understanding of the world or like robin's psyche you're in his head most of the book almost like 95 percent of the book there's a few chapters that are from a different perspective or like a, a different um point of view but uh, 
yeah, as when he's younger, like you say, it's kind of, you know, this adventure, like he's going out to school and he's really smart and he loves this. And then all of a sudden his guardian, who he's, you know, a little unsure about, but seems to be doing a lot for him, attacks him and beats him. And then there's, there's no, uh, you know, the, the loop is never closed on it. There's no, it's never addressed. And now he's kind of like living in fear of mm-hmm. the only person that has, you know, is his, his provider. And you really, this makes you start to see that professor level um, sees him as property. It's almost yeah. like how like an owner would treat a dog, right? Where if they, and I'm not saying I don't condone this at all. Like I, you know, I don't own a dog, but I don't think I would ever do this with a dog. But like how you hear about people just like if a dog, you know, like pees in the house or does something bad, like they'll kick them or like do like just do something to really show the dog that that's not like an okay thing to do. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, and again, like I know that's animal cruelty. I'm not like uh, condoning that at all, but it seems like that's kind of what professor the professor does with Robin is like he makes a little bit of a mistake and he like beats it out of him because he doesn't really see him as like human. He sees him right. as something that can be like trained or um, or sculpted to how he wants him to be. Somebody that doesn't have agency um, because of his humanity is, but is instead like um, only worth as much as he can give you know, give Professor Level. So, right. And um, Professor Level, of course, we come to realize is his actual father. And uh, that whole, I mean, to go a step further, like the whole thing is fascinating because he doesn't see Robin as human, yet he has, you know, Robin and Griffin, his half brother, right? So he has these Chinese children, at least two, possibly. More, I, I, I more, got the, yeah, more. I kind of, yeah, too. I got, yeah. I got the vibes that this was not. This was kind of what he was trying to do. So, you know, he knew he needed, he needed native Chinese kids in order to have the access to the language and get the advantage uh, for translation in that way. Yet, he was never, you know, he's always he made he never had any understanding of the culture or the people, and always saw them as subhuman and. You know, that that really kind of starts to, I, I think that was maybe like the first grain of, of how rotten this culture was and uh, of, of these themes. To me, he didn't really see himself as Robin's father because he didn't see Robin as human. So if somebody's not human, then they're not going to be your like offspring, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Like, you know, he might have like understood it like uh, theoretically, like biologically, I guess I'm their father, but like because uh-huh. they're like subhuman i'm not like actually their father you know what i mean yeah like he was just kind of like a little god and this was his creation but it wasn't yeah. necessarily his son because you couldn't imagine doing it to his uh i guess for lack of a better word like legitimate children um that were mentioned like at the uh-huh. at the estate which we see for about one or two pages or something um right. later on in the book but yeah, engrossing beginnings to the story, it, it kind of, again, like reminds me a little bit of Harry Potter where there's like this orphan kid that's being mistreated at home and gets sent off to this magic school, right? Where they um, get yeah. to learn and are kind of the star of the show there a little bit. So yeah, it's obviously yeah. like a tried and true method and immediately engrossed me. Yeah, the magic school, always a fun setting. And uh, in this case, it's Oxford, which is a, obviously a real school. Well, Hogwarts is real too, but we'll just. <laughs> right. Yeah. We just never got our letters. <laughs> yeah. It's still out there somewhere. <laughs> so he meets, he gets in contact with his cohort, Rami, uh, Vic- Victory, Vic- 
Victoria. Victoria. I, I, it's French. Yeah. So it French. has some cool embellishment, I'm sure. Yeah. My French is not even existing. So, um, and uh, Letty. And uh, the cohort bonds pretty, I mean, they all are minorities in different ways. Letty is the only one who's actually British, but she's a woman in a world that's very much dominated by men and a university that's dominated by men. So I think she feels, you know, she feels something of a kinship to them right away. Obviously this, you know, this, this difference between them will be very important later on. But uh, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed, like you say, at the beginning, the it, it's fun as the cohort comes together, they go to their classes, they have little struggles and triumphs and failures. And this is all kind of fun stuff. It's the audience is, yeah, like, like you were saying, um, kind of this younger adult or university adult type audience. And, and we all kind of gravitate towards these happy-go-lucky days at the university and uh, where, where uh, you know, trials are not too serious, but uh, then before long, they do become yeah more serious. So as you've mentioned, the relationship between their cohort, I'm wondering, and I haven't heard many people talk about this. I'm interested to see what people think. To me, like it came off as like, there could have been a little bit of like um, a romance between between uh, Robin, Robin and Raimi. Yeah. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, like, I think so. Like, I haven't heard anybody talk about that. I I don't know if it was like there was a mention at the very beginning when they both met about like Raimi or about Robin uh-huh. just like wanting to like reach up and like brush his cheek, you know, like it, it seemed like if that, you know, if you're reading that romantically, it, it seemed like uh-huh. it would be like, you know, a lot of kind of like sexual tension. I'm not saying that like, you know, guys can't be like friends and like, you know, have like friendly touches like that, but like, um, like platonic, but I don't know. It just seemed a little bit like it was kind of like, I don't know if like queer baiting is the right word, but like trying to like wrap, wrap people into like thinking that, but then not really doing a lot with it. And then there's, I mean, uh, I, I, I thought there were, there were some feelings there, but Robin himself was just like, he was so out of touch with his sexuality. Like it was never part of his character at all in any way. So mm-hmm. I think he just never even understood you know, what a romantic relationship would have been like. And so there was never any like progression. I guess. Yeah. So, and, and then it, would, it was mentioned that like Letty was obviously in love with Raimi, but Raimi mm-hmm. never um, returned those feelings. And was that just because he couldn't get over the fact that she was white or because he was in love with Robin slash, you know, um, wasn't attracted? Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I couldn't get a read if Raimi had... Uh, reciprocal feelings for robin or not like it seemed like there were times when when it was about to reveal it you know like there's a time at the ball where it seemed like they were i, I forget there's like something where it's like if they would have said that or if, if the words would have been left wouldn't have been left mm. unspoken something like that one of those so, little things yeah, yeah. so interesting uh-huh. maybe that can be a discussion in the comments below slash on discord um because I haven't really heard any other reviews. I've listened to maybe like five or six reviews of it. I haven't heard that mentioned at all. So I'm interested to see what people think. Um, it doesn't change a whole lot about the story either way, obviously. You know, like, I don't know how the events would have played out differently. Maybe Letty's jealousy um, would have uh, been either more or less justified, I guess, depending on how you look at it. And that might have changed her motivations a little bit. I think one of the one of the dynamics here, which was interesting to me, was if you kind of dig into the 
Raimi Letty relationship a bit more. You know, she had a lot of feelings for him and she had those feelings, you know, regardless of his ethnicity. Um, she mm-hmm. seemed to like genuinely love him or, or be romantically interested in him. I don't know if Raimi had had any feelings for her or if he did and couldn't get over the fact that, you know, there was that huge racial divide and it was just bigger for him because he was on the minority side and knew that it would be such an issue if they were to have a relationship. Yeah. Not only that, but he, he had spent his entire childhood and we don't get like a big, you know, uh, look into it, but we get the small glimpse of white people just treating him like he was a spectacle and uh-huh. like he wasn't like he was somebody to maybe be admired in some ways, but not really respected as an equal. And so, you know, I, I think that that would be really, really hard to be able to get over in a relationship if you had, you know, grown your entire life to see. Um, and, and that continued at, at Oxford and at Babel, right? Like that same kind of dynamic where um, he was seen as like an, a spectacle, but still shut out of coffee shops and like uh-huh. and stuff like that. And and so it's it's really hard because, and, and when people talk about like reverse racism, like obviously, or about like um, about stereotypes or people not being willing to see others. Like if you, if you were to say like, oh, a, a brown person or an, like Indian person would not be willing to marry a white person, like that, that comes off as racist. But like when you consider that their entire life, they've been mistreated slash, you know, like um, looked down on by that type of people like of course like you wouldn't expect people to be able to like overcome that necessarily right you know right away especially at that stage of life yeah so anyway just kind of interesting to think about and yeah we we don't get answers to these questions but um they're they're interesting yeah i mean it explores this a little bit um with kind of trying to take letty like what you referenced earlier when she realized kind of what they're going through and broke down and was, and was crying they they tried to kind of bring her into the fold and be you know and say you know here's the hermes society and you know here's the lives that we live and she never she's never able to understand completely which you know is also kind of understandable because that's her perspective and and her life that she's lived so i like that it kind of explores these dynamics without being too heavy-handed of like you never got the sense that that letty was being condemned for her perspective or for her actions too harshly because she wasn't you know an evil person she just wasn't able to understand what it was like well i I mean obviously after i think she does some condemnation after she after she pulls the trigger you know but up until then yeah like they were willing to like try and be there to help her right help her help her grow and help her um, right see things the way that they did but like also they were you know getting into extremist actions right like like right you know so it it's it's that line of like okay how you know and and honestly i think if letty would have just left like turned herself in slash like just removed herself from the situation. I don't think Uh that like that would have been an immoral thing for her to do. Right. You you know what I mean? But those were the only, I mean, that these were her people, right? I mean, these were the only people that she had a real relationship to. 
so it's it just seems really tough for her to say like i'm gonna completely write these guys off and separate from them like i i think it makes sense for her character to want to like fix things with them to want to close the loop to figure out some way to make it right but she approaches it towards the end of the book she approaches all of it from this this stance that she has the moral high ground yeah and it continues to show that like her growth while she might have been like starting to understand like she she didn't actually she wasn't taking the steps that she needed to to like fully understand where they were coming from you know Uh and like how they'd been trying for their entire lives to fix the system without, without violence. Uh-huh. Right. And, and that's the full name of, have you, what's the full name of the book? Have you seen it? It's like Babel. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, what does it say on your cover? It just says Babel and arcane history, but the full sub, uh, let me look it up. So I get this like, right. Uh huh. It may be on the title page An arcane history, something, something. Yeah. About violence. Babel, yeah. Babel or the necessity of violence and arcane history of the Oxford translators revolution. Okay. Um, so yeah. So like, it's like how necessary is violence, right? Like is, would there have been a way to do this without violence? Is there a way to bring down like an empire slash colonialists without, without being violent? And that's right. for sure explored like uh, in great detail in the book is that like, you know, violence can be a shock to the system. Like, and, and that shock might be the only way to like fix the system. Uh-huh you know like obviously i consider myself like i don't know if i'm like a hardcore pacifist like if somebody's coming in to like you know hurt my family like i'd for sure take whatever action i needed to like not have that happen but i do consider myself like generally um adverse to like being quick to uh be violent you know what i mean sure but this book even with me that has that type of that's approaching it with this type of worldview like it makes compelling points right that like um their actions might have been the only way uh-huh. to proceed might have been the only way to induce like any real change right um, right so it's hard right so and, and that's also the dynamic between robin and griffin griffin uh his half brother much more hot-headed realizes that violence is the only way he's been able to see anything happen any change um happen any any shift in the power dynamic through his life and uh, Robin is a pacifist, at least in the beginning, and kind of comes to almost, you know, adopt or kind of pick up the mantle after Griffin dies, especially is a big trigger for him. Uh, but then you also have Victor, Victory, let's just say Vic, Victory. Victoire. I think it's like Vic, Victoire, Victoire or something. Victoire. But, okay, we'll try that. Victoire. Um, she. I, I said Victory the entire time in my head whenever I read yeah, the name, so did I. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she then kind of becomes the foil to Robin towards the end where she's like uh, there are still ways to to do this and kind of have almost a a peaceful resistance and at the end she's like the only one standing and um i guess like it's maybe open to write another write some more from her perspective but i kind of feel like the book was really good as a standalone and and we don't necessarily need more yeah yeah for sure if I hope that if they do write more than it's treated as like another standalone, like, I think it would be cool if it's like a completely like different character and then Victoire comes in and like mentors them, you know what I mean? So if it like follows mm-hmm. a different character in like the Americas or something, uh-huh. and then like halfway through the book, Victoire is introduced and like uh-huh. kind of handled like that a little bit. So there's like yeah. maybe a little bit of interconnectedness, but. And it would be fascinating. Is. I would love to know what happens with the whole silver economy after yeah the revolution and after everything's destroyed what 
it, we, we don't know. We don't know how catastrophic it was. Yeah, I agree. What did you think about the, the thing that I wish would have maybe been handled a little bit better is Robin's change in character. And so, I, I mean, I get that he's dealing with like the guilt. Like of from the point where he kills Lovell. Yeah. So there's like, there's definitely a market change between when he kills Lovell and then he's kind of goes into crisis management mode, but he's still, still dealing with like feelings of grief. And then obviously when Letty kills, like then he's kind of completely changed right into an extremist. So it feels like yeah. he goes from like some working within the system has that experience where he goes to Canton and then um, kills professor level. That seems like that's kind of the, the death of him being able to work in this within the system both like symbolically uh-huh. but then it goes like okay well how am i going to work out outside the system am i going to like just flee am i going to run away from it am i going how am i going to like try and work with the hermes society only work with it you know distribute pamphlets lobby da 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 and then when right. when Ramy dies that's the death and because interesting like Ramy was always seen as like somebody that was working kind of within this system that he was set up for. Right. And in some ways, like he obviously jumped at the chance of mm. working with Hermes society, but he also, you know, had been sent over from India and everything and was uh-huh. trying to get power from that system. And then he, when that blew up, then he, Robin's like, no, screw it. I'm, you know, like the only thing I can do is, is violence. Now that's the only action that's left. To yeah. Me. I enjoyed that. Even though the events of the book really, precipitated the you know the kind of rapid decline of everything and getting to the exciting climax and and it really kind of pushed robin's character along it didn't seem like robin was just being drugged along by the plot Mm -hmm. he had choices throughout the entire way and the path that uh, victoire went on was kind of illustrated that right like he he didn't have to do this he didn't have to basically you know suicidally bomb the uh you know the british empire uh but you know but griffin and you know all the events that happened to him kind of you know it made sense i but maybe you're thinking that it was i don't know do you you think his character was pushed too far or it just you didn't you like, didn't like his choices maybe well of course like if i mean again like that's that's hard for me to say i i wish that some of his um more extremist views slash actions would have been foreshadowed a little bit better i guess during the first like 60 uh-huh. percent of the book so maybe and like maybe when he's working with hermes he has to like do something that actually compromises his morals instead of uh-huh. uh, like just kind of stealing from the rich and giving to the poor right um maybe he had to maybe not kill someone but maybe like hurt somebody or something like that where just kind of foreshadowing the decisions that he would have to make later on mm. i think I, so i don't know like there's there's things that um, I think could have made that change and his actions and decisions at the ending of the book a little bit more compelling slash made, made them make it a little bit more sense ah. within his character. So maybe you were thinking maybe there's room for some kind of happy ending. Not that, not that the ending was completely, I mean, it was a tragic ending for sure. But I think the fact that uh, Victoire kind of continued and carried the torch a bit provided some hope for the world. Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, I think, uh, and I, I'm not going to do any, I'll try to do like spoilers for Poppy War, but just like having read the Poppy War, I kind of, that almost like clued me into like, this is probably not going to be a happy ending. This, this is going to be tragic because I've seen it played out before in her other books. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the other thing I kind of kept thinking is like he was going to develop like a nuclear technology that was going to be able to like blast England based on, I guess we all want to do spoilers for uh-huh. the Poppy War, but kind of based on events in the Poppy War, um, I thought yeah. that might be what it was. Uh, it did to, foreshadow, which... I mean, it did foreshadow the way that they took down the tower. That was like one of the first, it's like the first thing they were told when they entered uh, Babel, like don't actually... What was it? You're not supposed to link, tran- translate, something like that. Oh shoot! Tran- like the word translate or something like that. Yeah, wasn't it? That's how they ended up blowing everything up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I, I, that was basically it. Um, what else? I mean, those like those are the themes. Did we? Hopefully, we did that justice. I mean, I, I feel like we did because I feel like I've I've thought about this a bit, and I think it was cool because I. Like we said earlier in the non-spoiler part, like I really appreciated getting a really authentic view into colonialism and also just kind of like regular life as a minority, um, which is cool. And I connected with a bit as well. Like as a disabled person, I feel like sometimes I feel similar ways, you know, like you're a minority in different ways. And so there are those things where you like try to connect with people, but you can't because you have such different worldviews. And there's like you know, subtle slights that happen. And obviously they're different. I don't want to, you know, equate too much of like ethnic minority to uh, disability, but there are some things that I was able to connect with as a, as a minority in a different way. So I thought that was cool. And it, it was part of the reason why I feel like it, it felt so authentic because I kind of, I saw, you know, some of my life experience, some of that too. Yeah. There, there, there's one more th- thought that I had about the pacing for a while. It kind of bugged me. Um, how it moved so fast, how like 60% of the book roughly was this happy-go-lucky kind of- uh, Yeah, it was, a, it was a little meandering at the so, beginning. So I think, and then I had this thought that like that needed, like Robin needed to feel a loss when he decided to go, when he decided to um, blow mm. that up, right? Like even if it would have uh-huh. been switched where it was like 40%, 60%, 40% at the school, 60% after he left, like- just generally speaking, he needed to like, like I felt that loss as a reader, I guess. Like here's this uh, setting that was really well built out, like that I love spending uh-huh. time in immediately. Like I felt like I would know what it would be like to go to school there and to like, you know, go back to your room and be able to go get crepes and, or not crepes, but you know, like see all these things happen. And I felt like I could put myself there. Uh-huh. And then when, when that was blown up, I felt like a loss. And so I feel like that needed to be there for Robin, for for Robin to feel that loss and for the reader to feel that loss. So that kind of helped me recontextualize hmm. the, the pacing issues that I had been planning on talking yeah. about. Anyway, just wanted to kind of throw that out there. And I like that they, after Robin kills Lovell and they're trying to figure out like, okay, how do we deal with this? I like that they basically deny that they have to lose everything, you know, all the familiarity of the world. They just deny that up until the very last moment when they're like, oh crap, like we're found out. Now we need to come up with a different option, but they're thinking like, oh, somehow we could get back to Oxford and they wouldn't realize he's gone or we could just kind of like write it off and, and they're not able to ever like really form any kind of coherent plan, but it just feels, I mean, it it feels like how you would deal with something like this. And I I don't know. I mean, obviously I've never killed anyone trying to cover it up or. uh, I mean, there was that one time, Stephen. Yeah. Right. Shoot. But you know, you'd want to preserve it makes sense that you'd want to preserve your normal life for as long as possible yeah 
yeah, it, it is interesting. And it's interesting that they didn't even consider his like other estate with his like wife and wife and kids there. Uh-huh. Like they didn't, they, they just kind of thought about Babel or Oxford. They thought about, you know, like um, the state that Robin grew up on. They thought about those things, but like, they didn't really even consider that like his other family would be like questioning where he was at. You know what I mean? Right. And, and then obviously like he has like correspondence that he needs and they like kind of did a cursory thing, but yeah, it feels like what a bunch of, you know, young, younger you know, young adults would kind of act like in that uh-huh. setting uh-huh. that that were naive to the, the ways of the world in that sense, you know, uh-huh. book smart, definitely not street smart. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, anything else or should we do, do you have a worst of the best for Fable? Uh, I, yeah. I could, throw, okay. I could throw one out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got one. Um, Griffin's okay, death. So, oh, so sorry. well, so this is the segment, if you're new to the show somehow, uh, where we talk about something that we enjoy, but like one little detail that kind of, we thought, yeah, you know, we could tweak that and make that uh, a little better. We didn't, we didn't enjoy this one small detail. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. So go ahead. Yeah, um, the way that Griffin's death was handled, I think, um, uh, like it could have been handled a little bit better. His whole relationship with uh, what was that that tool's name that killed him? Something oh, the the really revered scholar yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, what's that dude's name? Yeah, yeah. He had kind of like a pretty classical British yeah. sounding name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shoot. Anyway, yes. Like uh, their whole William something something. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's their probably whole, not. It's not William. I'm just throwing out names. Yeah, yeah. Their whole relationship with their co- cohort seemed like there there could have been like a whole backstory given to it with um, oh, what's the other girl's name that was killed? That <laughs> Griffin killed. Shoot, um, these are the type of things that I should be remembering. right. <laughs> you know, if if you're listening, you know. Yeah, Susie or so, something or other. Anyway, that whole like backstory was confined to like a footnote. Right. Yeah. Where it was the like, uh-huh. yeah. Whereas, like, they both like uh, loved her slash like it drove a wedge between them that would never be repaired, and they both like uh-huh. that their relationship at one point was like akin to like Robin and, uh, and Ramey's or something like that, where they were super close, and then like they did stuff that drove them further and further apart. Uh-huh. I I kind of wish that either that footnote wasn't in there to where you just could assume that you know, and it was just like one line was dropped where you got this whole thing. Or mm. it, or if you do go the footnote route where it's like a whole chat, like they, they have these, they have interludes with other four characters or other three characters. Like there could have been uh-huh. an interlude with Griffin where, you know, they're in school or something, you know, like there, there was those interludes had a chance to play with time and characters and setting. So I think, like or could, like the like Griffin fully, backstory, Griffin, yeah, exactly. you know, can, confides what had happened in his life a little bit more. Yeah, or or like you just in one of those interludes, you get a day in the life with Griffin and his cohort. You know, like I think that could have been really right. cool. Uh, so 
if you're gonna like take a few pages like they did with the footnote and give that backstory like i feel like she should fully committed and done it as an interlude or just keep it really where it's up to the reader's imagination what type of relationship they had the way that it ended up like the book could have standed to be like a little bit longer like it's not a super long book so like one more interlude in there like could have worked or or Mm. something but i don't know i feel like that was the worst of the best best for me we need more william Susie, and (laughs) and griffin (laughs) yeah whatever their names are yeah um okay so mine is this is gonna sound weird because we talked about how much we enjoyed the themes and everything but mine is like the themes because even though i thought it was brilliantly done i almost felt like towards the end it got to be a bit heavy-handed where like i i really did understand the ideas that were being set and and i was able to get inside the characters heads really well and it was really well written and really well crafted but by the end i just felt like there was it was all it was it was too heavy-handed there's just too much of it it was being repeated over and over again and I had already gotten it. I'd already kind of, you know, had plenty of time to think about it. And I felt like a little more subtle touch, at least for me, in my, in my opinion, could have served the story a little bit better. And maybe the book could have been a little bit shorter, or we could have swapped out maybe a monologue or two of these ideas for the Griffin backstory instead. And I, th- I think I understand. I mean, this is obviously really important to uh to the author to Rebecca Kwong and I feel like she wanted to make sure that her readers were understanding and and it felt really authentic and it felt like it was lived in and everything and and honestly like if I was writing this story and it was something that was I was really passionate about and was coming from me I would want to do the same thing I would want to make sure that there was you know like leaving no doubt to so readers would understand exactly what I was trying to get across but I feel like maybe the editor should have like pressed her a little bit more to be like, you know, we really, we really get it. I think everyone's going to get it. And I think maybe we could like cut out a few pages here or there and just kind of increase, you know, let's move the story along a little bit, kind of help with the pacing. Yeah. I I don't disagree with you. I think the interesting question is would, um, would it have been too much for like 19 year old you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Like, do you think, you know, you've obviously had like a lot of life experiences, you know, 30, like, I feel like for us, yeah, it was a little like, like we've, I, I feel like we both wrestled with these things in different ways already. So I think it does feel a little bit that's, much, yeah, yeah, that's, but like, that's if, you're, fair. if you're a senior in high school reading this, you know, I feel like I don't, I don't know if it would have been too much for me, at least like, I feel like it would have uh-huh. you know, been kind of necessary. You mean there, there's not as much room for the subtlety that I'm I'm decrying here if you're younger because you need that really spelled out for you like as a senior in high school you need to be beat on the head with interesting ideas in order for them to work <laughs> kind of yeah like a, like a book that um uh that was really influential to me that I read as a senior in high school was the Poisonwood Bible and that like is not subtle at all with its themes right it like hits you uh-huh. on the head with them and so you know and it was effective for me and I I still feel like it's one of my you know, favorite books because it did that and because it wasn't very subtle with those themes. So, mm. you know, um, I don't think you're wrong. Like, obviously that was your experience reading them. And I had, a, I had a similar experience reading through this where I'm like, yeah, from like, I think it could have been a little bit toned down, but uh, for the people it's uh, geared towards the new, new adult kind of is again, what I'm framing in my head as I think it, okay. uh, I think it, I think it works. Like, you know, I think that that's a decision that they, that Rebecca Kwong and probably her editing team and stuff kind of 
was uh, mm-hmm. deliberate about, you know? So. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a, that's a, a totally fair uh, rebuttal. I, I accept it. I mean, no, I, I still think like uh-huh. the themes are like kind of the best part of the book, but you're saying that the worst part about them is that they were too heavy handed for you. I think that's like a fair assessment. Like um, one of the best parts of the book could have been handled a little bit better had it been done a little bit different way. That's what the worst of the best is all about. Right. So. Right. That, is, that is what it's about. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let us know in the comment. This is one that I feel like will come up on the fantasy subreddit quite a bit. I, I'm not on the fantasy subreddit enough to actually know if that's true, but I feel like there's a lot of ways you could take this and there's going to be people. Unfortunately, you know, there's going to be people that really dislike this book. There's going to be people that really love this book. Hopefully there's a good amount of people who are open-minded enough about this book to think like, okay, this is a different worldview. And, you know, maybe it makes people think a little bit more. I, I'm sure that uh, Rebecca Kwan would, would love that. I, uh, so we'll see but yeah let us know in the comments what you thought awesome all right thanks thanks for the conversation steven looking forward to talking more about on discord and in the comments below yeah cool thanks josh see you all right